listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 38 of the Testudo Times Podcast. Somehow you've led us around for 38 episodes. Don't know why you've done that, but I guess you like us talking about Maryland sports. Alex Kirster is here. Alex, you had an interesting set of tweets earlier today that I kind of laughed at. It was about immaturity and college team names. Yeah, Oral Roberts, man. There's not much. I don't know what you can really expect people to do um, when Oral Roberts emerges every every March uh, in, a, in a conference tournament. What about Moorhead State? This was brought to my attention as well. They should play each other. Uh, too many jokes. Now, I'll have to mention that in the old Spyro video game on PlayStation, I don't know how many of you played that, but I love those series, there was a boss level called Blowhard. I'm not making that up. Now, this was 1998, and clearly that's what she said jokes didn't exist. But I have to think some 15-year-old was thinking the same thing all of us are thinking when you hear that name. Did they actually name it like that and not expect to have any jokes? Or maybe they did it as a joke. It was made by a good game company, so I have no idea whether they meant it intentionally or not. Uh, Matt Ellentuck is also here. Matt, are there any things that that bring out your immaturity even though you are a college junior? Any things that bring out my immaturity? You know, like... like the like life does that. Like snickering at Oral Roberts kind of thing. Oh, oh, that is funny. Oh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I usually, you know, I go with what the consensus immaturity level is. So that means it's really not great. Mm. We're all We're all like 10-year-olds anyway. That's just the way it goes in this world. We're going to talk about some Maryland basketball. Quite a few things to get to. We have to go back to remember that Purdue game. It's hard to believe it was many that many days ago, last Saturday. Uh, it was not a great game for Maryland overall, though they played a lot better at the end. Just your quick thoughts on that game, Alex, before we go in more in depth. Uh, you know, Maryland can't rebound very much, and uh, it, it, it's only a matter of time until that becomes the kind of thing that could really ruin them if they don't get it fixed. Um, I think you saw a preview of what it can look like in the worst-case scenario um, on, on Saturday because it was really bad. It was awful, particularly in the first half. It was a little bit better in the second half. It was their worst rebounding game. Um, if you believe, like I do, that offensive rebounds are, are the thing that you should measure by um, because you kind of expect teams to seal off their own defensive glass. Um, so think of it like offensive rebounds allowed, offensive rebounds gained. Uh, it was Maryland's worst game in at least 15 years. Um, or as far back as, as Ken Pomeroy lets us go. Um, so it was pretty terrible. It was really bad. As I said, a tiny bit better in the second half, but not great overall. It was really awful. Matt, we've seen Maryland have rebounding issues before against teams that were smaller than Maryland, and we really talked about the rebounding issue then. It was only a matter of time until a team like Purdue just destroyed them, and if it wasn't for that press in the second half, Maryland was threatening and fleeting with getting run out of the gym multiple times on Saturday. Yeah, uh, it was definitely strange, especially considering they had beaten them handily before. Uh, the rebounding effort was was brutal. I mean, I'm I'm even thinking back to when they let up an offensive rebound off a missed free throw to just really put a staple on what had happened throughout that entire game. Uh, it, it's really hard to, to be any, any bit competitive when you get out-rebounded so poorly. Why is this continuing to happen with the hype Maryland has inside, the players and the talent that they have? Why has this continued to happen and consistently not been fixed, Alex? Uh, you know, that's actually probably even a better question for Matt, who's more of an X's and O's type with basketball in particular. 
Um, I've thought that maybe they just lack some of the lateral quickness that's required to to box people out. I mean, Robert Carter's pretty light on his feet, and he's a good defensive rebounder. Um, Diamond Stone hasn't done a great job with it in either of Maryland's guards. Um, I, I wonder if that might be something to do with it, because on defense, you need that lateral movement. Um, to get offensive rebounds, it's more just about strength and aggression and jumping ability. Um, but it's tough. I, I don't know how, how fully that explains it. Matt, I'm going to let this one parlay into a discussion for you, because you do know more about ba- basketball X's and O's than most of us do. Uh, you know what? It was completely bizarre, because it wasn't just one or two players out rebounding Maryland. It was top to bottom the entire, you know, anyone that played grabbed one or two offensive rebounds. So what that kind of says is that the entire team had just an incomplete effort at boxing out. And that was just, I mean, that was glaring. Again, I'm going to go back to the same free throw uh, example because that is pure just boxing out. You're in prime position to box out and you just don't. No one boxed out the free throw shooter. And that was just a common theme that just consisted. It was very frustrating to just watch because just simple things as in, it's pretty easy to do. You just, you know, take, literally take your butt and basically back it into the guy and take him back one or two steps, and then the ball's there for you to grab. And that just, that basic, you know, the basic rebounding aspect just never happened. Why is that happening? Like, why did it happen in this game? Was it the atmosphere? Was it Maryland was kind of off-putting a bit? They had six days off, so there was a bit of rust. And when you have six days off in college basketball, that's not particularly great. But was there any specific reason you found for why it was that bad? Uh, I mean, nothing Nothing really comes to mind. I really think that the offense being how it is is definitely affecting things overall. Uh, obviously, a lot of this goes back to Mellow Trimble's slump, uh, which has really put the team sort of at odds. It's been a little uncomfortable to watch uh, just on that end. And one, one end does affect the other. So being out of sorts on offense definitely put them out of sorts on defense. So, I mean, that, nothing, nothing specific pointed, you know, stuck out in my mind except that. It was just all bad. It wasn't good. So let's parlay that into a discussion about Diamond Stone. You read an article you just wrote a day or two ago about Diamond Stone, and I want you to talk about that here and get to the main points. Like again, on offense, I didn't think he was that bad. He had 18 points, so on the offensive end, he was fine. Defensively, oh, yeah. defensively has been more of the issues, and go into what you had written about for those who haven't read it yet. Oh, no. I mean, I have nothing wrong with Diamond's play. I think Diamond's been one of the best freshman in america i mean all season pretty much he had a bit of a slow start at the beginning and then he's he's proven that he's a starter but being a starter in this lineup may not exactly help maryland maryland's had a problem distributing points and defense right so they have their starting five is probably on paper one of if not the best starting five in the country so it's very frustrating to see uh to see that they just haven't performed that well and something that might help as I said in my article, is maybe moving Diamond back to the bench. Uh, when Maryland puts out all of its power at the same time, it's almost wasting some of its other tools. So while Diamond's starting, he's eating most of the possessions, and he's good at what he does, and he shouldn't change his gameplay at all because it's effective. It's effective to feed him down low because he's shooting a good percentage and he's cleaning up most of his misses. But when most of the work is going down to Diamond, then you have guys like Jake Lehman and Robert Carter and Rashid Suleiman who all are missing touches. So on the offensive end, they're almost they're almost a waste because they're not necessary on the court while Melo is just feeding to Diamond or Rashid's just feeding to Diamond. So the point I made was to maybe bring Diamond off the bench and start DeMonte because DeMonte is a guy who is, you know, he's a defensive specialist and rebounds pretty well. He doesn't need to touch the ball on offense at all. So why not... 
use him to just run the floor and play defense and then get your feeds to Robert and get your feeds to Jake because those two guys have taken uh, a ton less shots per game and they haven't been as effective lately. And then you can parlay Diamond off the bench and move him around and stagger his minutes with Robert and Jake so that Maryland's offense doesn't have a real drop-off like when it does when they bring in Jalen and DeMonte, who aren't fantastic offensive players. It was just a thought process, but something needs to change in the offense if Melo Trimble's going to continue struggling. That's true, but I want to bring your attention to Varun Ramun. It's essentially the same thing. You bring him on for defense, but you know you're basically playing 4v5 on offense. He's not going to score. He can't shoot. He's not going to threaten opposing defenses. Isn't that the same principle? No. Well, DeMonte is a lot more useful on offense because De- what DeMonte does is he cleans up also. Any, most of his points are either off the pick and roll where he just gets the ball from Melo and he can just lay it up or dunk it or off misses. Or if DeMonte is just there to get offensive rebounds and kick them back out. I mean, DeMonte is still useful on offense, although he's not going to put the ball in the basket. For Varun, he's just going to basically stand there in the corner, and that doesn't really help in any way. DeMonte can still be effective on offense, but not, to, not necessarily by putting the ball in the basket. What do you think about this, Alex? I think that there's some utility um, to having Bruno Rome on the court in the right situations, but I agree with Matt that um, typically, you know, he, he's not going to be a huge asset offensively. And I don't think he, um, you know, Varun, one of the things that I really like about Varun, he's a very good guy, uh, is how self-aware he is uh, of what he can do. Um, and he's not a guy who's going to um, try too hard to prove that he can be out there with four other NBA players at a given time. Uh, and in a sense, Though he's limited, I think it's good that he knows his role and he knows he shouldn't be um, dominating the ball or trying to even be too involved while he's out there. Um, it would be nice if, if, he, if he had a little bit more confidence in himself, um, you know, to maybe uh, fire a three when he's wide open there in the corner. And if Maryland had, had more interest in making those kinds of plays happen. Uh, but as constituted, you know, it's, it's a limitation that he deals with and that Maryland deals with. So now what do you think about the DeMonte Dodd starting? We saw that at the start of the year when Dodd Right, I suppose, I suppose that's a digression, yeah. Yeah, um, we, we saw it at the start of the season, and it made sense then when Diamond Stone wasn't fully integrated into the team. But now you, Matt's theorizing, putting him on the bench for a right. completely different yet equally valid reason. And I, I like his reasoning. What do you think about it? Uh, I think it makes sense because I, I tend to agree that uh, Maryland's bench, even even let's say that Jared Nickens is, is indeed, he's had a couple of decent games he's, in a row. He got 10 against Purdue. He's starting to play let's better. Say, let's say that he's over um, that ice ice cold stretch he had in the middle of the season there. Um, you still don't have an offense. And even if Jalen Brantley is, is really cooking, you still don't have a whole lot of bench offense. And that's fine. A lot of teams don't have a lot of bench offense in college basketball. Uh, but, yeah, I think it makes some sense to – to spread the wealth a little bit. I actually thought uh, it might make sense to put more than just Diamond Stone on the bench. I mean, I think it might make some sense to put um, Rashid Sulman on the bench to start games too um, and let him be the guy who, who runs the offense. And that's not because he doesn't deserve to start. Um, I actually think he's been Maryland's best player this season. I think he's a great player. Um, but I think it makes a lot of sense uh, for a couple of reasons to just try to uh, kind of save your bullets on offense. That would be bold, but do you think Mark Turgeon would actually no, do that? No, I don't. I'm virtually sure that he wouldn't do that. Um, okay. It's also Rashid Suleiman's senior, uh, senior night at Maryland coming on. We don't yeah. like, I don't think it's going to be a thing for Illinois, think, but for Indiana in tournament games. Right. No, I, I just uh, just dawns on me that, you know, we talked so much about how it's Jake Lehman's last night in College Park. It's Rashid's, too. True. All of this is true. Two more things on uh, the Purdue game before we move on to Illinois and Indiana. Uh, Melo Trimble played better 
but playing better than how he had been playing is really not that hard to do, even for somebody of his caliber. He led Maryland with 19 points. He was driving a bit more to the basket. His shot looked like it was better, but they were just rimming out, and they weren't terrible shot selections either. It's just it's not falling for him. Uh, but what did you think of the performance, and is there encouragement to be taken as Maryland heads down the stretch, Alex? I think it was encouraging, and I was actually talking to um... – one of the guys who uh, works on their support stuff yesterday, and he, I think he thinks Mello's getting it. Um, he thinks that, more importantly, Mello thinks he's getting it, um, which is something that matters. And he did some things against Purdue that were uh, a lot more Mello Trimble-like than we've seen recently. I think he was at the foul line 10 times and made nine. Um, that's vintage Mello, you know, as we've come to know him here. Um, and the shot, you know, the shot still isn't there. Uh, you know, he's shooting just absolutely abysmally from the field lately. Uh, but I don't think Maryland really has a choice but to tell him to keep shooting. Uh, because if Melo Trimble isn't firing on every cylinder uh, in about two weeks, then it's going to be uh, in three weeks. It's going to be a pretty short march for Maryland. So That's, that's absolutely true. Matt, yeah. what did you think of uh, Melo Trimble's performance? I thought he was better. Didn't yeah. matter in the end, but I thought he was a little bit better. Yeah, better. Still not obviously there. What's frustrating for Melo is that I wish I wish it made sense why he was shooting so poorly. I wish there was a reason. I wish we could say his jump shot looks different. He's doing something differently. I wish we could say his shot selection has gotten worse. I wish we could say he's forcing things. But, I mean, the shots he's taking are pretty much the shots that he's been making for his past season and a half. Uh, shooting slumps kind of happen, and that's something I was talking to Jay Suskin about Um during that interview and, and and that's that's basically just the truth of the matter and eventually he's going to get through it and it's whether it happens against illinois or indiana i mean melchim was going to be back i'm not worried about that and he's been doing everything else pretty well uh turnovers were under control against purdue which they hadn't in the past but that's a big improvement he's been passing just as well as he's been all season during the slump he's been rebounding as well he's been doing a lot of good things still it's just a matter of finding the shot again which you know will happen I hate mentioning this kind of thing, but I'm still wondering about the injuries. And mainly because I'm a hockey fan that is so hardened to seeing players who are playing clearly hurt, but the team won't acknowledge that they're hurt, and then after they get eliminated say, well, he was playing on a broken foot. What the heck? How is he doing that? Why didn't you shut him down? I get why he kept him playing. I, I, he's banged. I, I, not in the general sense, like there's not a specific injury I think that's hampering him, but don't you think, Matt, that it's just maybe banged up from the long season the last couple of years and from playing – every minute of every game practically well yeah obviously that takes that takes a wear on anyone and he's been doing it for two straight seasons now and he played in the pan Am games over the summer and mel has been put to work over the past two years so definitely that you know that has some sort of a factor and what was a little discouraging is the lack of of jalen brantley against purdue which is something that i think we've talked about for a long time about how jalen brantley needs to play more minutes so that Melo can get some more rest but uh, for the time being, it looks like Melo's going to play 37 to 40 minutes a game. So, I still think either no, we're going to see Jalen Brantley play more against Illinois and Indiana, but we'll get to that quickly. I want to mention one more thing about this Purdue game that fascinated me. What about the white guy who doesn't usually play that well have the game of his life against Maryland? Mark Donnell and now Dakota Mathias. Any correlation, any reason why this is happening? Or maybe it's just because Maryland's coming from the ACC and that always happened against Duke? Got Anybody? Guys make shots when they're open, and those two guys have been very open. Yeah. Why did, did they not respect those two guys? I can understand why you wouldn't. Collapse on defense. I don't. I don't think that they don't respect them. That doesn't make much sense. But I mean, it's something that I've been pointing out too. Whenever I go back and look at you know the defensive side of things, guys are making shots that don't usually make shots because Maryland is leaving them open. And I don't think it's intentional, but guys are going to shoot better than their average when they don't have anyone around them. 
Alex? I think everything, everything Matt just said, you know, it's the, the the hammer hitting the nail or something like that is what they call it. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I have no other way to say it. I don't know what much about inside basketball. I just see players that normally don't play particularly amazing play amazing out of nowhere. That stuff happens. So let's talk about the final two games. For a senior night in College Park, Maryland playing against a very bad Illinois team. Normally, I would say Maryland's going to run away with this. There's not even not even a real concern about this game, but Maryland lost to Minnesota, so I'm instantly skeptical. And I saw them struggle against Ryder at home, and I don't think Ryder is better than Illinois. So, Alex, what are you looking for in this game? They played iffy at home the last two, obviously the loss against Wisconsin, and then struggling a bit against Michigan. This is a far worse opponent than either of those, but what are you going to be looking for on Thursday or today, practically, because you'll be listening to it today? Uh, the biggest thing that I'm looking for, other than Maryland to win the game, uh, because you really should be doing that against Illinois at home, uh, is to see a little bit of an improvement on the rebounding in the rebounding department. Uh, Illinois, I don't know. I haven't watched them a lot. I think I've seen them a total of two or There's three. There's a good reason yet. why you haven't watched right. them that much. Um, I don't know if they just don't care about offensive rebounds and just you know when when a jump shot goes up, they just run off the court like Michigan oftentimes does. Um, but they get no offensive rebounds. I mean, they are one of the bottom handful of teams in the entire country in offensive rebounding rate. Um, you would not expect them to be able to crash the glass successfully against Maryland. We'll see if that turns out to be true or not. We've said that about a lot of teams who we thought would not crash the glass. We have. They're, they're the antithesis of a Purdue, for instance. You know, it's, it's one thing. Uh, said that about Minnesota. We said that about Northwestern. Right. I mean, there, are a lot of th- there are a lot of things about these teams. I mean, but Illinois is particularly bad at it, so we'll see. Matt, Illinois has a couple of players that are pretty good, uh, Kendrick Nunn and Malcolm Hill. They're both interesting players who score a lot. Nobody else really scores for Illinois besides those. And again, Maryland lost to this team last year in Champaign, although it's a very different team. Uh, what are you looking for from the Terps? Uh, obviously, Melo Trimble, which is what we're all looking for. Uh, honestly, the best-case scenario for this game is Maryland puts this game away pretty early. Melo Trimble only has to play 25 minutes, and we see him hit a couple of threes. I think that's... You know, I think pretty much everyone's expecting Maryland to win this game. It would take a lot for them not to. So just seeing things that have been inconsistent, like the rebounding, like Mellow Trimble shot, seeing them, seeing things become more consistent here would be great. That would be fantastic. Uh, anything else about Illinois you want to mention other than that they're terrible, but not as terrible as Minnesota and Rutgers? They have some players. I mean, Malcolm Hill is really good. Uh, you know, he should not be on Illinois. Uh, so they, they got some guys who are watchable. Kendrick Nunn's a pretty decent guard. I think one of the problems for Illinois uh, is that one of their, I think their best big man, and his, his name actually eludes me, uh, but he's a graduate uh, graduate transfer big man who had a really nice first eight or ten games for them, has not played uh, for the vast majority of the season. He's been hurt. Um, and so that, that by, I think his name is Mike Thorne, uh, now that I look at it. Um, yes. so they're, they're depleted and not good, and uh, it should be a pretty straightforward job for Maryland. Well, it should be, but then we've seen Maryland lose to Minnesota and struggle against teams they shouldn't struggle against. That stuff happens. But this game is now more important because of what happened a couple of nights ago when Indiana beat Iowa, which practically, so long as Maryland doesn't screw up against Illinois, practically clinches them a double bye in the Big Ten tournament, which even though they're not going to be the number one seed, you wanted a double bye. That's really all you have to have in order to be decently successful in conference tournaments and Maryland's about to get it. I don't know what the seeding implications are or where they can go, but if they beat Illinois, they get a double bye, and that is not a bad thing, is it? See, I thought about this, too. 
because I just I kind of didn't want to to side one way or the other with who you I didn't want forward. the hounds going into your mentions. Is you know basically what, what you're saying? Well, that too. But the point being that I don't really know what's best for Maryland because it's hard to predict the future. But th- them getting the double bye, yeah, that puts them a step closer to winning the Big Ten championship. But also that means that they're not playing another quality opponent in the round before. And Maryland's a team who's kind of in need of wins, and maybe another game wouldn't hurt. Uh, so that that was my thought process. I'm not going to argue with the double buy. It is a good thing, and then Alex and I can get there into Indianapolis on time. But uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's going to play out how it is. Uh, Maryland's going to play some really good teams now that they're insured that extra buy. So we'll see. I don't know how the bracket sets up right now. Maryland is third as we speak. I don't know who that means they would play. I'm just looking at a basic standings and my brain isn't working properly right now, but <laughs> things, things can change pretty much everywhere. Oh, it, it will. Uh, it, which it is will why be. I tried not to look at it too much. It, oh, it's absolutely going to change. And I don't think it matters, but Maryland is going to play a quality team in the big 10 tournament at some point, whether it be their first or their second, or even their third game, if they make it that far, I don't have any worries about Maryland, not playing quality opponents. And those chances for wins are going to be important. They also have a chance for a very good quality win at Indiana on Sunday. It is senior day for the Hoosiers. Maryland is going into a building they got killed in last year. Indiana hasn't lost in Bloomington all season, but they have nothing to play for. They have already wrapped up the number one seed, and they just lost another player to injury, whose name I'm forgetting because I was half watching and the player got injured. So Maryland against Indiana, I mentioned on the podcast last week that I didn't know whether Maryland was better suited to win a slugfest or a shootout. I thought slugfest, and it turned out to be a shootout, and Maryland lost. Maryland, with their defensive issues, they ain't going to beat Indiana if they have him. That's number one. And number two, if they don't get out of a scoring slump, they're going to get run out of the gym. What has to come together, Alex, for Maryland to upset Indiana in their building? Honestly, I don't see it. I really don't see it, and I know that's negative. I mean, what would have to come You're together? To be negative. What would have to come together would be for Indiana to stop scoring millions of points. Um, that's a great, great offense that is playing at home and is really, really clicking right now. Um, it has been this. This came out after the Purdue game. It's been like thousands of days since Maryland beat some ranked team on the road. Uh, I'm gonna go look that. I right no, now, like, my my, my oh. friend Philip Suits over at the Diamondback. Our did a really good graphic on it, and uh, the exact the exact number eludes me as we record this podcast. But I, I don't understand why anyone would like expect that Maryland would actually beat Indiana next weekend. I mean, it could happen, but it's just not. Uh, I don't think it's a reasonable thing to think it's like a probability. Uh, oh, I don't expect them to win either. So, so for that for that to happen, that's why people really should be excited that that Iowa lost to Indiana last night. But I anyway, I was not rooting for uh, Iowa. I was rooting for Indiana. They, just made a lot Maryland to get the double buy and be over with it. Exactly, but who knows if Maryland defends really well and also doesn't get uh, out rebounded terribly on the road, which is something that's happened a lot to them. Then, then who knows? Anything could happen. That is absolutely true, uh, Matt. What do you think about this game? Because Indiana is fascinating. They lost James Blackman earlier in the season. We thought, okay, and they that's got it. better, and then they got and they got better. And remember, in November and December, when they were terrible and they lost to Wake Forest for some inexplicable reason, and went into Duke and got housed, and everybody thought they were crap. And they've turned out to be the best team in the Big Ten, which makes no sense. Uh, what is it about Indiana? Why are they as good as they are right now? When many people, including some of the people I follow on Twitter, wanted Tom Green fired. I have no idea. It's, it's Indiana and Wisconsin that have baffled me because those are two teams that at the beginning of the season, everyone was like, oh, they're not. First of all, everyone thought they were going to be good. Then after a few weeks, everyone was like, oh, wait, they suck. Now they're the two hottest teams in the Big Ten. So... Uh, I mean, this entire Big Ten season has been so confusing. It's hard to really rationalize why things are happening how they are. 
something that I would look at for uh, for that game, though, what are the chances we see Rashid Suleiman guard Yogi Ferrell? Uh, I would say very high. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, maybe that works. I mean, shutting down Yogi seems to be the way to to win against Indiana. Indiana has a they have a different identity than I think they did last year to some degree. Um, they still, you know, they're still like a more of an offensive team than a defensive team, uh, but they're not quite the same with um, without James Blackman, who's been injured. Um, they're not quite the same uh, without Robert Johnson, who hasn't played the last couple of games. I'm not sure uh, what his long-term status is. I mean, last year they were a very, very guard-centric team. Uh, I think they still are a guard-centric team, but and they're very much a three-point-centric team. But adding Thomas Bryant's been a really big thing for them in the front court. He's great. Um, last year it was just uh, Troy Williams. He was like a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, more of a 3'4", than a 5", but he played as their biggest guy in a lot of lineups. They don't have to do that anymore. Um, so they're, they're a much more balanced team and going to be really hard to beat. I think, if I'm correct, and this is just me scrolling through Wikipedia, the last time Maryland beat a ranked team on the road, I could easily be wrong about this, and please comment if I am. I always will admit if I'm wrong. I think the last time they beat a ranked team on the road was at North Carolina eight years ago, I think. It's been That's- a long while. I actually, We actually yeah, have Dimeback did a graphic, I think. They did, they did a terrific graphic. Um, I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember. It, is, it was it a lot been, of days. It has been a while. Um, I don't want to kill time on the live recording, but I can go ahead and say definitively that their last it was it's a nineteen game drought. It has been two thousand nine hundred and at this point sixty five days. Uh, the last win coming on January nineteenth, two thousand and eight. That is the North Carolina North game. Carolina, so that's a long. Yes, it's quite. And a that spell. was beating a number one ranked team. That's a Randy Edsel kind of spell, right? <laughs> Well, don't be don't be mean to Mark Turgeon like that. Don't compare him to Randy Edsel. Well, One of actually, actually it's, successful. It's, it's half. It's as much Gary Williams' problem as it, it is. Like, well, that is absolutely. It true. goes back. Uh, it goes back a long time. It does, but those Maryland teams weren't nearly as good as this one is. We have to be honest. So sure. I don't. Th- so I don't think Maryland wins against Indiana either. It would be great if they did. That would be a kind of quality win that pushes you up a seed line potentially. Depending on how things go, it would be kind of nice. I actually, I don't know. We haven't talked all that much about bracketology yet. Uh, I want to talk about it a bit. They're hovering between that 3-4 line, kind of where they were a year ago. I'm looking at Joe Lenardi's bracket, and they're the four seed in the East region paired up with Texas A&M because narratives. Uh, I I think their ceiling is a two if they run the table, but I doubt that happens. I still think they end up as a three, probably. That makes sense. Could be a four if they're they're done quick. Very well could be. Yeah, they could be a four, but I still think they'll be a three because I think they're going to, even if they lose to Indiana, I think they win one game at the Big Ten tournament, and there's still the possibility of chaos ahead of them. Which I think it's, it's also problem. the bigger problem for them. Uh, rel- you know, I don't think it matters too much if you're a three or a four or anything like that. Uh, well, for, for Maryland, Maryland would like to stay close. I mean, Maryland would like to be in the East, I and mean, this is a team that's drastically better close to home. What I, I think – the latest projections surrounding Maryland, um, a number of them have Maryland not being in the East. Now, the one Joe Lenardi had one out. Um, I, I guess we're gonna, on 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 Wednesday. You know, Joe Lenardi puts one out uh, and has Maryland in Providence in the in the East, which is good. Although Providence isn't great. I mean, you'd rather have Brooklyn than Providence. That's why I'm um, saying get the three seed. You might right. get a chance to play in Brooklyn instead. And if you're playing right. in Brooklyn Friday Sunday, that's I won't want to say that's a Maryland home game. Look, I want to give Brooklyn a full-throated endorsement uh, from a Oh, tra- so do I. So do I. Yeah, Brooklyn would be I, – I would be deeply appreciative of Brooklyn myself. Three minutes from my house sounds great to me. 
Yeah, I would be equally appreciative. In your basement. Yeah, I. Oh, good. Good Lord, sleepover party with you? I'm just kidding. Can't wait. Uh, <laughs> I would be deeply appreciative if Maryland is in the East Regional and they make it to the Sweet 16 because that's a 30-minute drive from my house. That would be fantastic. <laughs> and I wouldn't have any work to do covering the uh, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight if Maryland gets that far. But also in the East Region, your number one seed's Villanova. And I have to say, I'd like to be in a region with Villanova, considering they're one of the worst tournament teams in recent memory. You know, and it, it's funny because something really has to give because, you know, say – I, I'm actually looking right now. They're in the same pub with Pitt. Uh, I don't know. What happens, <laughs> oh, I don't know what happens if Pitt plays Villanova. Actually, I do uh, because Scott, is- Scotty Reynolds got them a few years ago. Yes, Scotty. But something Reynolds. something very much has to give uh, if Pitt plays Villanova in the round of 32. Sean Gentile's head explodes. Probably does. Yeah. That would be Matt. You might not know that, but that was back to a previous podcast. A friend of Alex and I, who is from Pittsburgh and went to Maryland. It was very entertaining. Uh, so anything else you want to mention about the basketball games? I want to talk to you, Alex, quickly about some minor football news before that. Anything else on the basketball front? No, let's just see how it plays out. Senior night could be the last. It will be the last. It is, it's my senior night. Yeah, I, I can't wait. For <laughs> it's mine, and I'm also completely ignoring it because I want to stay home and watch my hockey team that's first place in the Atlantic Division. Well, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to what I'm sure is going to be just a, a rousing presentation at the game for uh, my last night sitting on uh, press row as a student. I'm sure it'll be deeply Patrick, emotional. Patrick Stevens is going to give you a bouquet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Can, no, we, be, can we be nice to Jake Lehman? Let's, oh, let, let's make let's make that a thing for senior night. I would like that, but that's me. I'm not sure about the rest of us. But it will be the last night for Jake Lehman and Rashid Suleiman for sure. It could be the last night for Mellow Tremble, Robert Carter, and Diamond Stone. Very well could be. So appreciate this while you have it. Would be nice uh, if they don't leave, and that's a topic for when the season ends, but it could be the last night for those guys as well at Xfinity Center. Uh, You have been doing a great job previewing spring practices for football, Alex. Uh, And Amba Edatawa, who had played four years at Maryland, is graduating and will graduate transfer, and it gives us a chance to parlay into a quick discussion about the roster. Has there anything come up? that has surprised you, intrigued you? I mean, the spring game's a month away, and we're all focused on basketball, but has anything come up in the combing through the roster that you found different or interesting or something you didn't know? That's a good question. Um, I think that Maryland's linebacker group, and Ryan Connors actually previewed them on Wednesday morning, um, could be a lot better than we think. Um, last year before the season, uh, they got a transfer from Virginia Tech, uh, who has local ties, Melvin Kine, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Who yeah, has a Kane kind? Very. He he's a pretty well-regarded recruit. Um, I've actually never met him, um, or, or talked to him or seen him play uh, outside of Virginia Tech. But he's um, going to be eligible this year, um, and I think it's going to be pretty helpful to them. And they're still going to have Jermaine Carter, uh, who's a really good inside linebacker. You wonder if Admiral Logan will be healthy, which has been a real struggle for him staying on the field. Because uh, remember, he's a former solid four-star recruit from several years ago under Randy Etzel. Um, I think if you get, and then, you know, say Maryland's defense is probably going to be a little bit more multiple uh, under Scott Schaefer than it was under Keith Zinsky. But if you have three linebackers on the field at one time, and it's it's Melvin Kane, uh, Jermaine Carter, and Admiral Logan, you know, left to right or right to left, then I think you're looking at a pretty solid linebacking group. And I hadn't considered that. Anything else you've noticed? Because it is good. There's going to be a lot of changes. We'll see. I mean, there there are probably, in all likelihood, going to be more guys who transfer. Uh, Maryland right now is uh, right just about at the 85 scholarship limit, um, based on our tracking of it, which is highly unofficial. Uh, it seems likely that there are going to be 
just as there are after spring practices in a lot of years, uh, particularly when you have a new coach, uh, like there could be some guys who leave, and I think we should not be surprised if there are. I don't know. I have no idea who they would be, but it's just kind of a standard uh, thing that happens in college football. It's it's hard to get a grip on it. I think wide the wide receiver group could be pretty good. Uh, you'll, you'll have Tino Ellis and DJ Turner who both in some capacity should be able to help pretty quickly even without Amba, or especially actually without Amba Detala there on the depth chart ahead of him. Um, and with the Jacobs brothers and, and, and some of those guys, I think they could be a pretty good group. That'll be very interesting. I want to mention quickly an SB Nation article. It was from a while ago, but it was fascinating. All 128 FBS football programs is Pokemon, and Maryland was Dratini. I had a lot of problems with that list because I'm a huge Pokemon fan. Namely, well, is, they didn't go is, past This sounds two. like a Matt Allentuck problem to me. Uh, Uh-oh. Oh, no. Don't, don't kill me. Yes. 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 I'm going to kill you for this. What do you think of that? Are you a, a are you a Pokemon fan? Pokemon Sun and Moon is coming out. I'm surprised it took this long for that title. It was a Matt Allentuck creation. Uh, okay, I contributed one line, and I do have to confess that it was the no arms line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the only line I contributed in the whole article. My name is not even on it, but yes, that, that was my contribution. Uh, Maryland is not Dratini. Now, if you gave me more time to think about it, and I could go through all 700-some-odd Pokemon, and I could rack my brain, I would have figured something out for you. But it's not Dratini, because there's no way, even with that amount of patience, you're going to evolve it into Dragonite. And Maryland's football's never going to be Dragonite. Sorry. Dragonite was, well, Dragonite's interesting because in Gen 1, there were no Dragon-type moves aside from Dragon Rage, which always did 40 damage. This conversation got off the rails if you don't like Pokemon at all. Uh, I want to mention some non-red sports before we go. Uh, women's basketball won another Big Ten regular season title. They're really, really good. Unfortunately, UConn is just 10,000 times better than everybody else. But Shatori Walker-Kimbrough is amazing. That's kind of cool. Yeah, she's great. Maryland women's basketball is something we don't talk about enough, and I, I'm ashamed that we don't talk about them as much as we should because they are really, really good. And Brenda Fries has a great program going into win a new conference regular season title two years in a row, even though this year they struggled a bit with Ohio State, is still incredibly impressive. Absolutely so. Yeah, no, no doubt. And other sports, Maryland lacrosse lost to Yale 8-5. to five. I didn't watch the game, so I have no idea. But there were probably some problems that had emerged that I saw in the first game. You can go back to the non-rep preview if you like that. Maryland baseball, I know Ryan Connors has been covering that a bit. They've been waffling a bit to start off. Any comments, Alex? I, I haven't gotten a chance to see a game. Uh, they won when Mike Schwarn pitched. They're probably going to win a lot when Mike Schwarn pitches, and it's pretty early. It's still cold. It's tough to really... Uh, be completely in sync when it's just cold outside. Absolutely. And we'll make sure to talk more about baseball on this podcast as time goes on. But that's it. We have to roll out a bit because people have places to go. Matt Allen Tuck has classes late at night, which is almost a cardinal sin, but the journalism school doesn't really listen to us in that aspect. Anyway, thank you both for being here. It was a joy to have you on and spend part of the time that I normally would have spent eating dinner with you guys. It's I'm trying to figure out which is more fulfilling in my life, eating dinner or talking to you guys. They're both great, great, uh, great thrills and, and great uh, fulfilling moments. Uh, I would say so. Matt? Oh, I would have to concur. But all right, I got class. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm I got work. looking at the clock. I'm looking at the clock. Don't worry. And I still want to eat dinner. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to you both for coming on. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, do the whole thing. Tell us what you think of the podcast. We need to get better at this. I need to get better at this because after 38 episodes, you think I should be good at this, right? Nah, I'm still pretty bad at it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Enjoy the last two games of the basketball regular season. And, of course, go Terps.